Pastor Scott and lead pastor of the river and really glad that you're checking out our uh, online podcast and our services and hope that you are blessed by this. Certainly, if you have any questions, if you're wondering about stuff that goes on here or maybe you're checking out our website more and seeing things that you uh, are wondering whether or not you might want to participate in them, feel free. Contact us in the office. Give us a call. Send us an email. Um, we'd love to hear from you. Love to answer any questions that you have. Uh, we hope that you are blessed by what you hear on, on this podcast. We hope that God's Word continues to have power in your life. And we pray that uh, God makes himself known, that you know how much he truly, truly, truly loves you. Thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the service. I love that the line in that song that we're living in a world that we can get caught up and tangled up in lies. And the invitation where the beauty comes is when we sift through the lie and discover the truth, we encounter salvation, we encounter new identities, new people, the people of God. We, we sift through the lie and encounter the truth. At Christmas, we celebrated what Scott talked about on Christmas Eve here, that God is is for us. We see it clearly in the person of Christ. God is, is with us. And so we celebrate that as a community. We're in a series on making room. And this morning we talk about making room to listen. What do you listen to in the course of a week? What do you listen to in the course of a day? Or maybe we could even say, in the course of a year, 2014, what were all the voices and the messages and the things that you listened to, the things that you heard, that you took notice of? What were the things that led you? What were the things that helped you decide which way to go, which choice to make? Which one would be yours? How did you choose? How did you discern? How did you walk through the process of discovering truth in 2014? My guess is many of you consulted with friends and family. A lot of you sought advice and wisdom in the word of God. Some of you maybe came to people who were ahead of you on the journey. Many of you prayed through different things. As a community, we represent a people who are a listening people. I want to turn to Matthew chapter 2. As a listening community, a community that is ultimately being led by someone else. I think we have a lot to learn from the Magi. These are a group of people who in church history are um, really celebrated. 
in the first five centuries, uh, the nativity scene wasn't really popular yet, but people, artists, loved to create images of these kind of mysterious guys, the magi. Quick quiz for you before we start, before we read. How many magi, I'm going to ask you three questions, see how you do. How many magi are there? What country or city are they from? And what was like their occupation? Do you think you got the answer to all three of those? It's the same answer. And the answer is we don't really know. How many of you thought there were three of them? Like the church history and the story kind of goes that there are three. But the reality is we don't really know how many there were. We say there were three because there were three gifts. We're not sure where they're from. We know they're from the east. But that's about it. We also don't know what they did. The idea of magi could be um, scientific. They could be scientists. Some people say they're more like astronomers. They're they're people who read the stars. Others say they're kind of like magicians or, or sorcerers or witch doctors. But we really don't know what these guys did. We do know a few things about them. They carried gifts of great worth. And they took a huge leap leaving their home at the expense of a caravan and even the cost potentially of their own lives. They took this leap because they were master listeners. They had learned how to discern amidst the lies the voice of God. And so I think we have something to learn as a listening community from the Magi. Matthew 2, starting at verse 1. Listen, if you can, for all the different things that help the Magi discern God's voice, or all the different ways that they are led. There's one very clear one that we always um, you know, we celebrate this time of year. There's, there's one obvious one, the star. But consider... Why else they would have taken this leap of faith into this journey to encounter the king of the universe? Matthew 2, starting at verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews. We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. Pause right there a minute. So the Magi come, and their arrival catches the attention of the king. The king who's kind of like a puppet king. He's been established there by Romans. He's a Jew, but he's also sort of working with Rome. He's not well liked among the people there. They said it would be better to be a pig in Herod's court than one of his own kids. Because he took the life of three of his sons and one of his wives. Because he was sort of a suspicious guy. Herod's not a good dude. And the Magi, 
upon arriving in Jerusalem, caught his attention. And so he gathers them all and asks the priests, the religious leaders, where is the king, where is the Messiah going to be born? They quote from Micah 5. Here we go, starting at verse 6. Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, and the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly, and he found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts of gold and of incense and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. And so there's these two voices and these, these two things at work in this story. There's this voice of Herod. Notice all the language about Herod. Herod called the Magi in verse 7. He called them secretly and he found out from them. Herod later says that they had heard his request. And so there's all this invitation that Herod is offering to the Magi. There is a way that Herod is expecting things to go. There's a, a way that Herod is inviting things to go. And then there's this other way. There's a way that God is leading and inviting the Magi into. And I want you to just kind of explore with me for a moment what that way is. You won't find this in your notes. But I kind of found four different things that the Magi are led by. The obvious one is what? The star, the star. And we could talk a long time about the star. I don't know exactly how this works, that you see a star in the east and you, all of a sudden you know that that's the star declaring that the king is coming. I don't know how that works exactly. But stars are visible to everybody, right? Stars are something, uh, especially without light pollution, maybe not in, in the Inland Empire, stars aren't visible to everybody. But everyone in that time would have had access to the stars. The Magi saw in the star something else. They were master noticers. They were people who saw and responded. And so the star is an obvious one. Maybe a little bit less obvious is that the Magi were people who were waiting. They were expecting something. We don't know exactly why they were waiting. Why they were expecting something. Why were they even, even looking for a king? But I think it's fair to say they were familiar at least with the story and the prophecies that there was a king who was coming to Israel. Maybe it's because of the people who had stayed behind in Babylon 700 years before. Maybe it's because uh, that story was sort of loosely known. There were echoes of it in their culture. 
and they had tuned into it. And so they heard the stories and they knew that there was a king who was coming in Israel. They didn't know exactly where. They weren't familiar enough. And so the third group that they consult are the religious leaders who, again, attest to what the word of God said in Micah 5. The religious leaders pointed them to this word. All I want you to see is that this act of listening is very complicated. It's complex. It's multifaceted. There's different layers and levels. We can't just say there's this one thing that happened and the Magi bet it all and went in search of the king. They went in search of the one who was worthy of their worship. It's multifaceted. It's complicated. And they are responding to what they've observed, what they've listened to. This is the thing about listening. It requires uh, observation. It requires that we pause, that we stop. How many of us stop in our life and just listen? How many of us pause long enough to reflect on what's happening around us? If there's one lesson and one lesson alone we learn from the Magi, it's that pausing, stopping, listening is certainly worth it. Um, It's what ultimately leads them to Christ. I wonder if they're not included in the text because they are people who listen. The author James Mishner says that an age is called dark, not because the light fails to shine, but because people fail to see it. Another way of saying that might be that God is continually, like the psalmist says, pouring forth speech. He's continually revealing who he is. He's always sharing with us his love, his grace, his mercy. He's daily giving us new opportunity to walk hand in hand with him. If we will but listen. It's not so much the Magi's methods that I think are notable. This is what we sometimes talk about when we refer to the Magi, like how they discovered the star. I don't think that's so notable. I think what's notable about these men is their posture. They're open. They're seeking. They want to hear from God. This seems very plain and very obvious. But is it true of us? Do you want to be led by God? Or do you want to lead yourself? Listening leads us ultimately to Christ. To listen is to open ourselves to God. It's to admit and submit. We acknowledge when we listen that there is someone ahead of us. There is a plan 
for us. There is a direction marked out for us. When we listen, we're open to being instructed. We're open to being led. I asked my dad this week, Dad, what is it about listening? Uh, My dad is somebody who um, is over here, by the way. He's somebody who I've learned from in my life about listening. Uh, It's not that my dad is always tuned in to God, but he's somebody who I've observed in my lifetime um, practicing this and knowing that naturally we're not good listeners. I am not naturally a good listener. I'm naturally a talker. Anybody else? My dad's somebody who does this practice well. And occasionally I'll get phone calls. And I didn't ask for your permission to share this, so I owe you $20. (laughs) But he'll he'll call me sometimes and say, hey, I was sitting at my farm and And God met with me. And I was looking at at the animals and the colors changing. They're from Michigan, so the leaves change right before it gets miserably cold. And, you know, God just met with me there. And I was just overwhelmed with his love for me. I was overwhelmed with his love for me. Or I was really compelled to just call you and check in. And see how things are going. God just kind of put you in my mind. On my heart. He's made a habit of listening. Of taking time in his life. To just stop. And pause. And observe. And inquire of God. There's a pastor in Chicago. Named Bill Hybels. He said, I staked my entire life on the whispers of God. I left a three-generation successful family business, started a church in a movie theater, and began a training organization that trains pastors all over the world because of a whisper. Because, he said, I was open to what God might be doing in my life Here and now. I was open to the idea. I was open to the relationship that God was extending to me through the work of his son Jesus. The door that he had opened where all my sin and shame and guilt and all the reasons that I tell him I can't do that have been removed. All of the reasons that that I set up for why I can't have that kind of relationship with God. All of that has been taken away through the work and the person of Jesus Christ. And Hybels in his book called something like Whispers from God, which is a great title for a book on Whispers of God, said that he has bet it all based on God's interaction with him in those times, in those places, in those spaces. Where is your spot? Where's the spot that you go? Maybe it's on a farm. Maybe it's in a chair like this one here. I got this chair a couple years ago when our youth group was playing a game called Bigger or Better. Um, 
It is not the most beautiful chair in the world. I will confess that. But it is really, really comfortable. Does anybody want to try to sit in this chair? Come on up, Savannah. You can sit in this chair. This is my chair, but you may sit in it. Just lean back in it, and you tell me. Is that comfortable? Yes. It is pretty nice, isn't it? Yes. It's pretty sweet. Yes. This chair is special for me, Savannah. Do you know why? Because it's so warm. <laughs> she said, because it's so warm. <laughs> it is very warm. Yeah, it's very cozy. It just kind of invites you to, like, curl up, right? You can do that if you want. If you want to get comfortable, you can get comfortable. She's already comfortable. This chair is special to me because sometimes I sit here and I open up my Bible and I just invite God to lead me. And I say something like, God, I'm kind of a mess. While I try to do things on my own, I usually jack them up pretty good. But if you will lead me, I will follow. If you will... Speak to me through your word. Maybe it's through um, my conscience. Maybe it's through a, a passing thought that I have. Maybe it's through like a nagging passion that has been like bothering me for a long time. There's really something that, I don't get this complicated in my prayers, okay? But maybe it's through that. But God, if you will speak to me, then I will listen. I will follow. And that happens for me a lot of times in this chair. So that's a special chair to me. Thank you for sitting. It's comfy, huh? Yeah. All right. Give it up for Savannah. Where's your spot? Where do you listen? Somebody in the first service said they're on the road a lot. And they'll just turn off the radio. And when they drive, there's so much noise. And they say... I just listen in my vehicle. Maybe you have like a little garden area and you go there and it's quiet and you just spend five minutes or ten minutes and you just listen. Maybe you're a parent and you don't have any time to listen. You're just like, my life, there's no space to listen. The only time I have free is when I'm taking a shower. And so maybe you listen when you're all soaped up and lathered up. And you just pause and you listen to the king of the universe. You sift through the lie that says you are what you do. You are what you have. You are what you possess. You are what other people say you are. You sift through all of that and you say, no, that's not who I am. Like Jesus in the desert when he's tempted by Satan who says, you could have it all if you just do what I say. Like Herod who says to the Magi, if you walk in this way, where do you sift through all of that and say, no, 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 no. I'm not what I do. I'm not what I have. I'm not even what other people say I am. I am who the king of the universe is inviting me to become. I am who he says I am. And that is a child of his. One who is loved before the creation of time. One whose debt has been paid I am not a sinner. I'm a saint. I've been called by God into relationship with him, to walk with him in this life as a friend, as a co-heir. Where's your spot? 
Where does that happen? Maybe you have one already. Maybe you have a place already. Maybe you don't. If there's another thing you get out of this message, it would be, please, in 2015, I'm not all about setting like goals or New Year resolutions, but do me a favor. Just find five minutes, even if it's in a week, to sit and listen, to sift through the lies, to hear what God is inviting you into. Um, It's interesting, adults, we spend an average of 70% of our time engaged in communication, the give and take of, of information. 70% of our time, I don't know what we're doing the other 30%, but 70% of our time we're engaged in communication. On average, 45% is spent listening compared to 30% speaking, 16% reading, and 9% writing. How many of you have ever taken a class or course on listening? Mrs. Tulsma, and that's all. And Doc Talsma. Well, you're ahead of us for sure. Man, that should have been the first class they taught me in kindergarten. How to listen. How to listen. How do you listen well? I took a class on writing and reading and speaking and all of them. But I never took a class on how to listen. I, I never learned that. I'm still learning how to do that. Somebody said that they had a teacher in sixth grade who wrote on the top, um, read all of the instructions before you do this assignment. Have you done this before? Anybody else have this teacher? Trickster teacher. We got some great teachers in this church. Some absolutely brilliant teachers. This, I think, is a great trick. And then they said at the very bottom instruction, something to the extent of, don't fill in any of this paper. Right? You know this trick? And so those of us who like are quick to just act and slow to listen, we would have just filled the whole thing out and gotten to the bottom and be like, don't fill out any of this paper. Oh, no. All this hardship, all this work was wasted because I didn't listen. How much pain, how much agony, how much stress, how much anxiety, how much anger, how much resentment, how much bitterness don't we hold on to because we're not willing to listen to the one who says, hey, I took care of that already. That's mine too. I'll take it from you. Imagine Bethlehem when the Magi come. This is a town, historians say, of probably around 300 people. That's not a lot of people. 300. They estimate about five or six infants or uh, kids would be around. Male children would be around at that time. I don't know how they come up with that, but about five or six kids would be around. That would be Jesus' age. The king of the universe has come into their town. And all I can think about is the fact that he was there and they missed him. 
that the God of the universe had entered space and time, and they knew the prophecy that he was coming, and they missed him. Now, we don't really know that they missed him, but I'm assuming that they did, just because it works better for this message. I'm assuming they missed him. He's there, the king, in their midst. Maybe there were a few that got it. Maybe there were a few that saw it, that bore witness along with the magi. They saw that the king had come, and they joined them in worship. They joined them in the celebration that God had come in Christ. But I can't get over this idea that this town, this little town, is there, and the king has come, and they missed him. How often don't we miss God? The light is shining, and and we're blind to it. God is pouring forth speech and his love all around us and we just don't notice it. The thing with listening is that you cannot do anything else and listen. Our brain is set up so that we cannot do more than one task We cannot focus on more than one thing. We don't have the mental capacity, the faculties to be able to do more than one. How many of you have ever been driving and all of a sudden you're like, how did I get here? I've been listening to a podcast or the radio or I've been talking with the person next to me and I don't know how I got here. Anybody ever have that? All of a sudden it's like you were magically, yeah. It's because you can engage in one thing at a time. This is for the kids who are at this point getting kind of sleepy. Kids, raise your hand. Ask your mom or dad for their little sheet in front of you. We're going to play a little game here. You ready for this? I want to prove a point. All about games. Christmas time, we're playing great games. Ask me, by the way, afterwards what they are. I would love to pass them on to you because they're a great family activity. But here we go. This is a game um, that will diagnose the fact that you cannot do more than one thing at the same time. This we call multitasking. How many of you would say, I'm a pretty good multitasker? There's actually a myth Um, that women are better multitaskers than men. Has anybody heard this? It's not true. It's not true. You cannot multitask. Multitasking is a myth. All you're doing is switching in between activities. Men, we just have a harder time switching out of what we're into. We're so focused. You're not buying it. Okay. Well, here is the myth, that you can do more than one thing at a time. You cannot. You were not wired that way. I'm going to give you 10 seconds. On the top left line there, under where it says the multitasking myth, the top left, I'd like you to do this. I'm going to give you a 10 count, and I want you to write the numbers 1 through 20. So you're going to go 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7. If you don't have a pencil there, then just count the numbers 1 through 20, okay? I'm going to give you 10 seconds. If you can't count to 20 before I count to 10, we'll talk after the service. There's some other things. Here we go. All right? Three, two, one, go. Stop. Okay, if you didn't make it, that's okay. Just put a line where you got to. Now, underneath that, I'd like you to write I am a great multitasker. Go ahead and I think hyphenate. Mrs. Huffman, is there a hyphen in multitasker? I don't know. But go ahead and hyphenate it. I am a great multitasker. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to write that. All right? Here we go. Ready, set, go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. 
Stop. How many of you got both of those in 10 seconds? Way to go, Mrs. Mark. Nice job. Okay. Now, I'm going to give you 20 seconds in the other line. And I'd like you to alternate number and letter. One, I. Two, A. Three, M. Okay? I'm going to give you 20 seconds. You should get just as far as you were on the left if you still think you can multitask. On the count of three. Or three, two, one. Three, two, one, go. Stop. Laughable, isn't it? How many of you um, just found yourself getting like, mad, like your brain was almost like ready to shut down? I did it and like I had a little bit of a meltdown. We can't multitask. You cannot do anything else and listen. Now, I think this is great marriage advice, but beyond that, as we continue to walk and listen to who God is and what he is speaking, what he has spoken, what his invitation is, do not think that you can just keep going about your business and hear. You can't. Listening demands that we pause, that we stop, we observe, we sense We hear what God is doing in our lives and we respond to it in faith. So in 2015, the river, where will you continue to listen? The Magi were led to the foot of the king of the universe because they listened. They came and they worshipped him because they heard and they responded. Where will you continue to to listen. Maybe for some of us, there's just noise that needs turning down. Maybe you're running and running and running and running and trying to keep up and keep up and keep up. And God's saying like, why, why, why? Like, I'm inviting you into something much better. And maybe for 2015, the word you need to learn is just no. You just need to be equipped with the word no. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to let this thought condemn me. I want to give you a quick tool. Four things that I think help us hear God well. Number one is the thing, the idea, the word, the sentence, is it life-giving? If it is of God, it will lead to life. It doesn't mean it won't be hard or challenging or difficult, but it will be life-giving. It won't be oppressive. It'll be something that, that puts air in your sails. Again, it doesn't mean that it won't be challenging. But is what I'm hearing life-giving? The way of Herod and the way of God's adversary is oppressive. It's ultimately about suffocating you and squashing you. But the way of God is the way of life. Blessed are those who walk 
in that way. Secondly, is what you're hearing consistent with the character of God? Obviously, God is way beyond what we can see or understand, but there is a lot we can know about him. He has revealed himself in Jesus. He has revealed himself in his creation. And so is what you're hearing consistent with the character of God? Third, is what you're hearing consistent with the story of the scripture? With the overall redemption of the world, in the end, the king sits on the throne. In the end, the God of the universe comes again to earth. The earth isn't destroyed. It's not burned and forgotten. God returns here. He rules here. He lives among his people here. That's the story of Revelation. The stained glass window here from Revelation 21 says that there's a river and everything around it is teeming with life. It's a real river. It's teeming with life. And so is what you're hearing, does it jibe with with the story of the scriptures, which ultimately has Jesus Christ on the throne. Fourth, does what you're hearing match? Does it coincide with what the people of God around you hear? With what, what they see, what they're observing? There's a great temptation that all of us have And that is to think of ourselves more highly than we ought. It's to not listen to those around us. To think that we know better than they do. I know better than my parents. I know better than my grandparents. I know better than my friends. I know better than my coworkers. I know better than the people in my church. They're this. They're that. They're the other thing. If that's you, you may be in a place where you're proud. So what are they saying? What do the people who walk with God speak to that? I think in 2015, as we continue to grow as a community who listens and is ultimately led by God, we grow together. So where will you listen? I would love to receive emails about your spot. Nickinhout at gmail.com. I will not use your name or spot in a message. It won't just pop up somewhere. But I would love to hear where you are listening. I would love to hear what you are hearing. I would love to hear how God is leading and inviting and sharing his life with you. One story to close. My dad, who now I owe like $40, and that's the Wilverhoof family rule, by the way, that when you use somebody in your family without telling them, you have to give them $20. Joel got rich on that. But if you know Will, then you know he never actually paid Joel. Sorry, Dad. My dad has a friend. And he got a phone call this week when we were all hanging out from this guy. 
And the guy was in construction, like my pops and my brother, in Michigan. And in 2007 and 2008, it was a bad time to be in construction. Because the market tanked. And if you were into building things, there wasn't a whole lot being built. And this guy was doing some big stuff. And his business started to just go down. Um, that puts pressure on you, doesn't it? When, when your source of, of life and income, when that starts to like get it, that puts a lot of pressure on you. Puts pressure on your relationships. You know, you start looking at your, your friends a little differently. Things like envy, jealousy come up. There's insecurity. You start to doubt your, yourself and your calling and whether you're good enough. And all of this stuff, it gets really hard and complicated when things like that happen. And so he was sitting in a restaurant. He was drinking a cup of coffee. He just kind of stopped. He was just tired. He's tired of, of, of it all. And he's drinking his cup of coffee, and there was no audible voice. There was, there was no, no dream. There wasn't an angel. There was no star. It wasn't that easy. He said he just had this sense that God had come to him. And as he sat there drinking his cup of coffee going, God, what am I going to do? He just had this sense. God said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You don't have to worry. Just trust me. Just trust me. That was five years ago. He kept, kept working. And he was sitting on the board of an organization that works with um, folks who live outdoors. It's called Mel Trotter Mission. And he was, he was on that board, and, and he started noticing uh, there was a need for people to have a place to, to live long-term that they could work out of. And so he started, he grabbed a couple guys, and, and they started looking, and they found this building. He got a phone call from someone that was like, hey, there's this building, it's old, it's run down, check it out, it's right on the Grand River and he went there. And he just, he, he knew that, that this was a place that needed to be a part of God's redemption plan. So he started inquiring about the building. And one thing led to another. He was just being led the entire time. Today, there's 50, 100 guys who used to live outdoors who are living here, they built this place. They gutted it. They cleaned it out. They're living there. This friend, he connects with like now local farmers who are donating their animals for like beef and pork and chicken for this group of people. And lives are being changed and the love of God is being shared. Now, it, it may not be God putting you or me in charge of a hundred people who used to live outdoors. And now, it, it may not be that. It may be as simple as God inviting us to love the people in the pew where we sit. It may be as simple as God saying, like, whatever that addiction, just trust me with it. 
I died so that you can be free. It may be as simple as loving ourselves like God loves us. Sifting through that lie, hearing the truth, so that his glory might be proclaimed and declared to the nations. People of the river, may 2015 be the year that you hear. Amen. Lord, we thank you for the ways in which you invite us into relationship. We see it most clearly in Jesus. We see it in your overwhelming love for us in creation. We hear it in our friendships. Lord, we thank you for that. Thanks that you're the God who redeems the broken things in us. You take them and you make them new. Thanks that you're the God who doesn't shame or condemn, but you offer life. You offer the way of peace and hope. You offer us your love. Lord, we pray that in 2015, we might be people who listen who respond courageously like those magi who left it all in search of you. Speak to us. We're listening. Carve out space in our day that we can be with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.